0: Today we have a crazy story of getting revenge on multiple former ex friends. We'll get into that in a bit but first, showing my ex his mistake. He has always been the best part of me, the part that I loved waking up to texts from, the part that took my hands once I came down from my car and pulled me in for a kiss, the part that showed me off the entire school like a trophy he cherished. Everyone was envious of us, of what we had together. The only thing that mattered to me was that we were together. He made my 16 year old self giddy with excitement i looked forward to going to school every day because of him and on the days when he wasn't in school it felt like my day was incomplete he took me on the most amazing dates showing me new parts of the city that i'd never seen before feeding me with amazing cuisine and one time we cooked together and that was a beautiful disaster my friends wanted to know what my secret was how we had been dating for so long and yet we were still so happy At one point, one of them insinuated that I was hooking up with them and that was why he was stuck on me. I knew that wasn't true. We hadn't even done anything beyond kissing and a few touches in the dark. He had never even pushed for that. It had been a bit of a worry at some point because I read somewhere that it was a natural thing for your significant other to ask you for that at some point. When I got assurance from one of his friends that he wasn't cheating on me, then I confronted him about it. He laughed and pulled me on top of him before placing a peck on my lips. He informed me that he was waiting until we were ready to take things to that stage. I couldn't have asked for a more thoughtful boyfriend. He told me that he didn't want to rush me into something that I would regret later and that he wouldn't be happy with himself if he did that. We continued our activities and only stopped when his mother called us down for dinner. I knew that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with this man and I couldn't wait for when I was ready to give myself to him. He deserved all of me and more. But as they say, all good things come to an end, and to everyone's surprise, our five-year relationship came to its end. I don't know what changed, but I felt it within me that my focus had shifted. I still very much loved him, but something in me had changed and until I figured out what it was, I knew I couldn't be the person I used to be with him. It happened on graduation day. After we had collected our diplomas, I pulled him aside and delivered the news to him. I felt loved and proud when he resisted and said that he wasn't letting me go. If I had ever doubted him, in that moment, all that dissipated into thin air. I told him that if he truly loved me, he would let me go so I could figure my issues out. We both ended up crying and clinging to each other for dear life. I didn't want to do this. I felt like I was detaching a part of myself that I needed to survive. But I also knew that this part was becoming cancerous to me and if I didn't cut it off, I was going to die a slow death. So with all the strength I could muster, I pulled away from him and whispered a soft goodbye. I turned around and walked away from him despite all his pleas for me to not spoil what we had. I never looked back, and I'm glad I did, or I would have never have moved on from my internal pain. The sun was a bit blinding today as I woke up, still in my work clothes and drool marks stuck to the side of my mouth. I groaned at how stiff I felt and berated myself for falling asleep at work again. Thankfully, today was my day off, so all I had to do was the walk of shame out of the office. I don't have to put up with any talk about what a workaholic I was. Well, that was until my secretary showed up. Esther shook her head at me and dropped the teacup she held in her hands in front of me. She also passed a bottle of water and Advil before proceeding to pack up my files. She scolded me for not taking care of myself, even after my near-death experience with malaria. I assured her that I was healed up from that and she shouldn't worry about my health. I knew that was a request that would not be listened to, but I made it anyway. When I had the Advil and tea in my system, she passed me my work bag and coat. She made sure I promised to have a long bath and then go straight to bed. She promised to surprise me with a check-in when I least expected it. She wanted to find me sleeping, she said. Of course, I went back on that promise after my bath. I went straight to reviewing the new book one of my authors had brought to my desk. Julian Gisick was a young, talented man, one I loved working with. The first manuscript he had ever submitted had captured my attention and not let me go until I was flipping the last page close. He just had a way of bringing his characters to life and making them seem so real You wondered if you knew the person he was talking about. This new manuscript in front of me was bound to be a bestseller. I just knew it. Now, all I had to do was fine-tune some things and convince my boss why she shouldn't give up on romance. Betty had been having a hard time taking authors for my genre because she hadn't gotten over her last breakup. It was bound to get better as this was not the first time, but it was a bit exhausting, honestly. I decided to take a long nap so that I didn't look like a wreck the next day. After my nap, I did some more work and then dressed up for my lunch date with my sister. It was more like a late lunch as it was almost 4 o'clock. Kelsey was getting married and she had somehow roped me into helping her plan this wedding, despite my offering to pay for a wedding planner. She was a traditionalist like my mother and insisted that it was more intimate when you planned your own wedding. I reckoned she would give in at some point. I locked up my house and walked out of the building with a purposeful stride in my steps. I didn't feel like driving since the place we were going to meet was not too far from where I lived, and she was likely to drive, so if we needed to get anywhere else, she would take us. was almost at the restaurant when I, or more like the other person, got bumped into on the sidewalk. I was about to say something when I saw who it was. It had been 6 freaking years and not one thing had changed about him except, well, he looked more mature. Time healed all wounds. That was one saying that proved right but this wound had left scars that still stuck with me i had learned to live with my scars seeing them as tags of honor for pulling through such a difficult situation yet as i saw his face again the wounds ripped open all over again wounds i had inflicted on myself because i had no choice i had been spiraling my father had just passed away and my family was on the verge of ruins i had let go of him to save what i had left of them and I'm glad I had done that, but the guilt I felt seeing his face again was enough to make me turn red in the face. He called my name and grinned at me in that usual boyish, cocky nature of his. My heart skipped a few beats and did an involuntary somersault. I completely forgot I was supposed to be meeting my sister for lunch and spent half of the time catching up with him. It wasn't until after my phone started buzzing that I realized myself and collected his number. I didn't tell Kelsey the real reason I had delayed, saving that for later to see if it had all been a dream. It hadn't because I tried his number and the line went through. His voice still did things to me and I knew that I wanted this man still. Because of that I didn't hesitate to offer a helping hand when he told me about the financial crisis that he was going through. He refused to collect money from me and said that my letting him live in my house was more than enough. And before I knew it, we were back in sync like time hadn't passed at all. We still functioned like a well-oiled machine in everything. When we finally hooked up together, I cried because of all that I'd been missing out on with other men. I didn't think twice about inviting him to my sister's wedding, which turned out to be a somewhat awkward affair. She even ignored me for half of the event and I felt bad for making her uncomfortable on her big day. Weeks later, she called me and told me that she wasn't comfortable with the idea of me falling back into a relationship I called off by myself. I assured her that I was happy and had ended things with Daniel before because I had been hurting. She was just looking out for me and I appreciated that. Daniel made me happy, happier than I'd ever been, and I was not letting that go. With time, he got back on his feet and got in sync with his new job. He planned to put in double effort to make sure that it succeeded. I was with him all the way. I didn't want him to fall back into the depressing state we'd met each other in so i encouraged him and our relationship grew stronger every day one day daniel was out so late i got worried he wasn't answering any of my calls or responding to any of my texts and it got me wondering what was going on as i was about to pick up my keys and go out to look for him our front door swung open and he walked in i rushed over to him and after making sure he was all right i began to question where he had been Tears flowed down from my eyes as I explained how worried and crazy I'd been. Then, the most absurd and unexpected thing happened. He went down on one knee and brought out a ring box. Opening it, he revealed the most exquisite ring I'd ever seen. I didn't waste time by saying yes. I had always fantasized about getting married to Daniel. It had been one of the many things I'd thought about while we were dating. He put the ring on my finger and stood up to kiss me. I couldn't believe that I was getting married to the love of my life. When he went to freshen up, I took a picture and sent it to my mother and sister. My mother sent a voice note showing how delighted she was that I was about to get hitched. My sister wasn't as enthusiastic, but she still congratulated me. Life was about to become even better, or so I thought. From that day, it was like a switch had gone off inside him. Daniel began to act strangely. He was keeping more late nights and had an attitude that didn't sit right with me. He complained that work was stressing him out, but even with all my encouraging words and actions, he only got worse. Once, he snapped at me for questioning him about why he hadn't been at his office. He accused me of micromanaging him and refused to eat dinner that day. The Daniel I knew had suddenly vanished after that proposal, and I was determined to know why. After much snooping and digging around... I unearthed a secret that broke my heart. Daniel had another girlfriend, and from what my PI told me, they'd been dating for quite a while. So, he played me. The naive high school me would've sulked and figured out a million ways to blame myself for not being enough for him, but I had grown up and I wasn't going to let this man fool me and get away with it, so I decided that I was going to get back at him. His girlfriend, lucky for me, was also a writer and a chef. I got her contact and put a call to her about being interested in publishing her cookbook. She was so excited and agreed to a meeting. Working with her was so easy and I almost regretted what I was about to do, but I refused to show any sympathy for this woman. The deal moved fast and soon enough we were organizing a launch party for her. Daniel tried to weasel his way out of attending the event, but I didn't let him get away with it. I forced him to the party and held his hand throughout, and the shocked look on Gina's face when she saw the two of us together sent tingles running down my spine. She walked up to the both of us and demanded to know why Daniel was with her publisher at her party. I gave it to her. The woman knew how to cause the scene. I pretended to not know what she was talking about, And informed her that Daniel was my fiance. She turned red in the face and informed me that she and Daniel had been dating for a year now. I turned to an embarrassed looking Daniel and asked him to explain what she was talking about. He could barely speak or meet any of our eyes because of public humiliation. I wanted to slap him and tell him to go to heck, but I just slipped the ring off my finger and tucked it in his coat pocket. I told him how disappointed and disgusted I was at his behavior and how he didn't deserve any form of happiness in his life. I assured him that if he ever showed his face around, I would beat him up before having him arrested. Then I took a drink from my wine glass and left the event. I would face the backlash later, but for now, I needed to celebrate my newfound freedom. I feel like the only thing I don't like about this story or what OP did, is not keeping the ring, I feel like OP deserves to keep that exquisite ring as they described it for having to put up with this guy and his backstabbing behavior. That said, our next story is Getting My Revenge You spend your childhood till adulthood with a very specific group of people. Everybody has them or has had them. There's the funny one, the one who's in love with a woman either much older or therefore out of his league, or the popular girl with the personality of wet musty laundry. The one always sad about something and later becomes the actual considering ending things friend that everybody protects with their lives. And finally, the plain one, unassuming, but somehow the backbone of the friendship. I was the plain one. My friend group was something much like every friend group that eventually grew up to be the weirdest group of people that somehow knew people everywhere. The kind of friend group that became a community, if of course we had stayed together we had been like brothers we knew the most intimate things about each other i guess that hadn't been enough for them i guess i'd been mistaken about the type of bond we had james fred michael and me james was a genius but he was always in his head he was a dreamer with a very curious mind he had the best memory of all of us we had known each other since high school and had met fred and michael in our first year of college fred was our realist he always looked at the world as it was He wasn't so strict as to bring down your dreams, he just expected that everybody faces reality head-on sometimes. He thought that people who lost themselves to delusions were stupid and needed a reality check. Michael was the delusional one. Yes, Fred and Michael were always on conflicting sides, they always argued and insulted each other, but had somehow found a kinship in their love for books. Fred had once admitted that Michael at least had personality and was saved from being a complete idiot, Michael thought Fred needed some sex. People often wondered how we put up with each other. I was the rich kid with a pretty normal upbringing and a love for art. Of course, I'd managed to hide the fact that I had a rich family from everyone, including James. One of my favorite memories is going on one of our night walks. A business major, a computer major, an art major, and a medical student arguing about morality and the complexities of human social structures. We were all buzzed after a night of drinking and the air had felt particularly cool. The campus roads had been mostly empty. It had been the perfect night. Michael had briefly mentioned an event. I hadn't been paying close attention. Nobody had seemed to mention it after that. I had assumed it wasn't important. Two weeks later, everyone starts acting weird. Fred would avoid talking to me and would make excuses for being around me. Michael's jabs got meaner. James? James, of all people, became colder. They seemed to hang out more without me, making excuses when I made plans for all of us to hang out. Then one day we had all gathered in the library for a check-in. We all had projects and had been too busy to get together like we used to. Fred mentioned a party and made everyone set reminders. It was odd for Fred to be the one to mention a party. He was usually the one that avoided social spaces and loud people. I made myself available thinking the reason for the weirdness was my forgetfulness last time. Oh, what a night it was. I learned that day where I had stood in that friendship. That ambition was more important than friendship. I had learned that day that I was simply an obstacle to the people who I had trusted most. The night had started great. It had seemed like the other guys had dropped whatever enmity they held toward me. I was high on a feeling I hadn't realized I'd missed. We pre-gamed alcohol before we headed out for the night. Michael apparently knew some of the people at the party and introduced us to a lot of them. That was where I met Anne. Anne was the trap, and I had fallen deep into it. She was charming, had an alluring air about her, she knew when to laugh and when to tease, She was smart and quick-witted. We had talked for hours about anything and everything. She was easy to feel comfortable around. She had taken me back to hers and we had what I'd consider to have been the greatest hookup in my adult life. Not that I was getting much anymore. What with the R-word allegations and all of that. See, what I hadn't known at the time was that my friends had set me up with a girl who had apparently known my family and had told them that I had lied about my family to them, because I knew that if they met them, my family would have probably invested in them the way they hadn't invested in me, and I would have been jealous, which didn't even make any sense. The problems with my family were so much that I felt it better that people didn't know about them, and I'd never actually lied about them, I'd simply not talked much about them. The reason seemed too ridiculous for the actions taken against me, and that infuriated me, that I would be sold for cheap. What hurt most was James. James had known me longer than anybody else. To think that he would so easily discard me for something as flimsy as that. I guess I didn't matter as much to him as I'd thought. Anne had accused me of assaulting her. I'd been kicked out of college and ostracized from society. My life had taken a turn for the worst. My family had been no help, as usual. They had even believed her and taken the side of my friends. That was a step too far. I had nobody then i had met maria she was my saving grace it was heck trying to get my feet back under me she had been there for me every day since we met she knew about the allegations and about my family somehow she had listened to my story and understood somehow didn't judge maria had found me laying on the side of the road drunk out of my mind and lounging in a pile of campus trash She had recognized me from one of the classes we had together. She had heard the rumors, but had thought that they were only rumors because she had apparently been there the day I'd met Anne and couldn't believe that I'd forced myself on her. She did confront me with it the first day we actually had a conversation. I had just woken up on her couch with the worst headache in history. And she had sat on a chair facing me. Then she had gone straight to the point and asked me if it was true. Horrible timing if I was being honest, but beggars can't be choosers. Since then, it had been finding me jobs and applying for a course in a new school. The former hadn't been so hard, if not for the constant bullying from random people who tagged me as an R-wordist and recognized me through social media. The college application was never going to work out anyway, but telling Maria that was as pointless as trying. She wasn't about to give up on me because of a flimsy allegation. I don't think women fully understand the power they have. It had only taken two months for me to come up with a proper revenge plan and three days for maria to find out about it she was livid she'd argued about the best way to move through life being working on yourself rather than bringing other people down she did not once retract her helper kindness she was good like that it had taken five weeks and several more arguments before we finally came to an agreement whatever revenge i planned on taking against them would not kill them or get them imprisoned and would act mostly to clear my name. Maria would help me with planning the revenge to make sure I didn't cross any lines. What I hadn't told her was that I'd never planned on killing them. Getting them arrested would have been fun, but it was a messy process. You couldn't do that without getting your own hands dirty in some way. I hadn't told her all of this, of course. I'd needed her to join me, and I couldn't have done it alone. If she had ever found out, she would have killed me. It had been a pretty simple plan, The way it played out, however, had been extremely complex. We needed proof of each of my old friends doing something or a part of something bad enough to get them expelled and ruin their social standing. The problem with this had not been finding something bad enough to get them expelled, it had apparently been in finding something that wasn't bad enough to get them arrested over. It was like I didn't know these people. They had done some of the most despicable things to get as far as they had, and far they had gotten. James was a model now, Michael had found passion in painting and had exhibited twice in three months, Fred had gotten into acting, which was the most surprising. All in all, for people with horrible personalities, they had done really good for themselves. It infuriated me, but more than that, it scared me. I had trusted these people. What did that say about me? I had been known to hang out with people like these. No wonder people believed I'd R-worded N. If they were even a little bit aware of the things these guys did, it would only make sense that they would assume I was exactly like that, capable of doing something so evil and not feeling anything about it. It took Maria and I a while to settle on something. Maria had changed her stance on limiting to our revenge. But of course, she wasn't going back down on the limit she had been so adamant on. I like that about her. She was a good person and she was stubborn about it. We had planned when and how for each of them. We go for Michael first. He had planned a video projection exhibition. It was perfect. We had switched the audio with recordings of him threatening women and insulting gay men. He had a mental breakdown in front of a major news outlet. He had smashed everything and yelled at everyone in his vicinity. Even beat up one of the staff for something that wasn't their fault. In the end he had done more damage to himself than anything we could have managed he never sold another artwork after that fred was easy and perfect he had made his debut in his acting career in a major blockbuster movie the trailer was set to release the next day we had hacked the network set to release the trailer and replaced it with a montage video of fred abusing his girlfriend and a bunch of his crew and team The day it aired, there had been a hashtag with Fred the Abuser and his name had trended for a week. His acting career was over and he lost all of his friends and connections. James? James had to be the worst. He had to go down and go down hard. James was a runway model for a famous fashion brand. We'll use CH as their name. CH had been managed by my uncle. My dad had asked a fever for one of my closest friends. Fred wasn't modeling for them because he worked hard for it, he was modeling because he knew someone that knew someone. His career was on thin ice. If he messed this up, there was no going back, and we had the way to do just that. James was a druggie, he was very good at hiding it, nobody knew about it, not even the rest of the gang. He wasn't the average messy druggie, he wasn't just doing the normal drugs. It was the type you only found in the worst underground places. I don't know if I'm saying that right, I don't do drugs. Anyway, we had somehow found a way to film it happening and a clip was anonymously sent to us of him sexually harassing a woman on the street while he was high. We had gotten the contacts of everyone who would attend, my father and James himself, and had sent it while he was on the runway. The looks of shock and judgment on the faces of everyone present. My uncle, the manager, hadn't found out until the next day and was furious. He had promised to blacklist James and cut ties with my father, he had gone as far as looking for the people who sent it, and when he found out it had been me, he had raged for hours before finally calming down and asking me why. After I told him what had happened, he had sworn to help me in any way he could and kept apologizing on behalf of my family. It was awkward for me because I had also kept apologizing for ruining his show. He sponsored me through school and made sure to clear my name of all allegations. He gave Maria a job in his fashion house. She had loved every second of it, even the most stressful days. Who knew revenge could be so rewarding? I'm not gonna lie, this story almost comes off as like a lower stakes kill bill type situation. You've got this group, you've got your list of names, and you're going one by one, knocking them all off. Now, I don't know if Maria is a hacker extraordinaire. But some of the things OP described here are pretty insane for just two average people to pull off. Especially somebody that OP would self-describe as the plain one. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.